Welcome to the latest Experts in the Field podcast from Foot Anstey's Farm, Estates and Rural Land Team. With guest speakers and in-house experts, we'll provide insights and practical advice on rural developments and current affairs. This week we're discussing the biggest changes to agricultural funding in more than a generation. As many of our listeners will be aware, between now and 2027, government funding is changing very significantly. It's a challenging and complex period of change. In this podcast, we're going to talk about some of those new funding schemes and help provide some guidance on how best to navigate yourself through that. Joining us on this topic today is Stuart Horn. Stuart is a Director and Agricultural Advisor at Business Information Point. Business Information Point are an enterprise agency in Devon who've been providing tailored small business advice for over 25 years. Over the course of his career, Stuart has developed great understanding of small businesses and he holds several high-profile roles connected with rural organisations, including Rural Services Network. Stuart is also, or was also, himself a tent farmer for the Duchy for 25 years. So he's got excellent insight on a very practical basis from his own experience. Also joining us today is my colleague, Kate Lucas. Kate deals with all aspects of property transactions for our rural clients, and typically that involves farm sales and landlord and tenant work. Kate and her husband farm near the Somerset levels, and they have a mixed farm of dairy, arable and beef. So she brings a lot of practical experience to this topic as well. Uh, welcome, Stuart and Kate. Great for you to join us today. Thank you, Edward. Looking forward to speaking with you both. Yep. Good morning, Edward and Kate. So before we start, I should uh, mention for those listening just the point in time that we are recording this podcast because so much in this topic continues to change with more announcements from government. So we're recording it on a rather cold day in the, in the middle of January. Please do bear that in mind when you listen to this podcast because some of the topics and some of the issues that we raise may well have changed as governments make more announcements. So uh, perhaps to kick things off, Stuart, so obviously changes to agricultural funding will be very topical and crucial for many of our listeners today. But for some, it's going to be something they may not be that familiar with. Could you begin with just to explain a little bit about how agricultural funding has operated from government historically and what the changes are that we are now seeing to start come through on the ground? Yes, um, if we go back to really the end of the Second World War is when the support for agriculture came in. Obviously, all of us are a little bit young to remember the food shortages and rationing. But uh, yes, a government then realised that uh, a country without food would be a difficult place. So funding came in to basically give the farmers a set price for what they produced. Then over the years that changed, we joined the EU and we had further support schemes through that. Basically, that supported the production of food, whether that's sheep or lamb or beef or cereals. But farmers being farmers were very good at production. And we ended up with uh, wine lakes, milk powder mountains, beef stores, etc. So then we had a move to what was known as a single payment, where farmers were then paid a set sum on the area of land that they, they held. Uh, and that carried on through to the point that... Uh, or that move to the basic payment scheme, which is now being changed because obviously we've left the EU. UK government are taking control of support for agriculture and they're now looking to move the funding away from that payment per acre, payment per hectare basis to payment for environmental public goods, i.e. helping government meet their net zero targets. There's been a real shift, hasn't there, between payment for food production to payment for environmental reasons and I think moving forward 
we're going to see payment for environmental schemes um, really taking off, aren't we? We are. I mean, it's called the Environmental Land Management Scheme. But uh, as Edward intimated earlier on, this recording is, is in January, and it seems almost daily that uh, changes are coming. The initial scheme was going to be one that was in three parts with what was known as Sustainable Farming Incentive, uh, Local Nature Recovery and Landscape Recovery. That's changing by the day and it looks like there's going to be the single Sustainable Farming Incentive will actually merge with what was going to be Local Nature Recovery, but it's now going to be called Countryside Stewardship Plus. And I think that that's good. Government has been listening to uh, the concerns of farmers and I think we're going to see more of that funding find its way down to the farm. I often find when over the last well few years now, but uh, the last few years, like you said, there's been so much constant sort of announcements from governments about changing um, these changes and, and the schemes they're offering. The terminology that they've used, as you've just indicated, has chopped and changed a bit. And I found that many of the farming clients I've spoken to, is, that's caused real hesitation in terms of them you know, making decisions because it's so hard to plan with this constant change. But what are you finding farmers coming to you and asking on these topics and what are their primary concerns over the last few months? Well, I think you're spot on, Edward, in terms of that uncertainty bit. That's what they've been coming to us with. They're not sure where it's going. There was a bit of a hiatus when the uh, Liz Trust government was in place for a little while and all the pieces of paper got thrown in the air. But they're now settling down and actually we don't see a huge change from the initial agricultural transition. But we are seeing changes that I think are for the better. So they're concerned about their future because for perhaps non-farming listeners to this, a lot of our lowland beef sheep farms in particular and the upland farms really depended upon their basic payment scheme, basically for any profit that they might have made. So really they were making very little profit from their food production, but their their income that they relied on for their well-being was coming from that basic payment scheme. And as that slides away, it's been reduced in uh, increments up until 2027, they need to find a way to, to replace that. And although the new schemes are welcome, they won't wholly replace it. So farmers are looking at what else they can do to how they can use parts of the new schemes, how they perhaps can continue to diversify. They've done a lot of that in the past. So it's a whole range of things that are coming to, to us with. And it's that whole range of things we can actually help with as well. Yeah, well, we've certainly found a lot of clients, obviously, renewed focus on the question of diversity, particularly with the wider environmental markets that are opening up and the opportunities around that. Out of interest, did you find many of your clients uh, look to the lump sum retirement scheme, which the government also ran through last year? Very few, to be honest, Edward. In a way, it was a way of uh, just drawing down some of the funding that you might get in the future from the reduction in the BPS payments. But for somebody, perhaps it was just selling their farm now and for whatever reason wanted to go, yes, they did look at it. But for those that are going to be there for the next two or three years, the entitlements or the payments that they're getting that are reducing will, will be delinked from land soon. And when they do that, they will then be able to basically leave the land if they want to, but still get the remaining funding, which actually was more than they would have got under the lump sum scheme. It makes it difficult, doesn't it, Stuart, for farmers to plan and invest because we do, as part of our transactional work here at Fertansty, we do a lot of work on behalf of clients with banks and also on behalf of banks as clients. 
And they, for the past year or so now, have been saying that they don't take basic payment scheme payments into account anymore when looking at the profit a farm makes and when deciding how much to lend to them. And as you said, that creates issues when some of those farms depended on that BPS in order to make a profit. But the second issue is if a bank won't lend to you, it makes it very difficult to then invest in diversification projects. It does. And even if there's a grant available to help you, and there are you know numerous grants around, at the end of the day, you've got to fund that and fund your share. So uh, nothing's 100%. So it's, it does make it challenging for anybody that uh, is trying to, uh, to move on. So it's a question perhaps of looking at what other skills and assets they've got that they can utilize to help them build that uh, family income. And Kate, I know that you and your husband are going through the succession planning uh, on your farming business. How has this impacted on, on you and your plans? Yeah, we are, Edward, and it just makes things more uncertain. We're trying to plan what the business would look like moving forward and perhaps separating from the wider farm and my husband taking his enterprise, which is the dairy part, forward. And when you don't have the basic payment scheme to rely upon and you're not sure what additional payments might come to you in the future, it makes trying to do any sort of succession planning quite difficult. We already touched upon this uh, a bit. Could you just just summarise some of the funding support that's now available to farmers and, and where they should be looking? There is a whole host of stuff coming through, uh, Edward, starting with those environmental schemes. That's probably the first place to look if you're you know, looking to continue farming but want to start to address the changes. So we've got the sustainable farming incentive that will be expanded. And by the time people are listening to this, we expect there to be many more options under that to be available in 2023. Countryside stewardship continues. There was some thought that this would be the last year of applications, but that's not the case now. There's numerous capital grants under both countryside stewardship for fencing and uh, water protection. Catchment sensitive farming now covers the whole of England. We've had a round of the slurry infrastructure grant scheme. Uh, There will be others for people trying to become compliant with their slurry storage systems. We've got the Farm and Investment Fund, which covers like small grants on equipment, etc. There will be a new round shortly if it hasn't come out. The Farming in Protected Landscapes, so if you're in an AONB or National Park, there's small grant schemes there that, that can help. For people that have got perhaps odd bits of land that without the basic payment make no sense in terms of profitability because perhaps they're too steep or difficult to access, there's the England Woodland Creation Scheme, uh, which has recently had uprated payments as well, which makes that very attractive, certainly for those smaller bits of land. Uh, Are there any other funding changes on the horizon that you think might be of interest and people need to be keeping a close eye on? The other, the other bit, the new funding that is due in from, from April onwards, uh, we've, we'll have the Cornwall and Isles of Silly Rural Prosperity Fund, and that will be available. Those funds will be called different, but that will be available throughout the whole of England. And there is also what they call the Shared Prosperity Fund. So wherever you are, whether you're in Cornwall or other parts, those funds will be available to both farm businesses and all businesses so the first sort of point of call for those would be uh, your local growth hub, whether that's a Cornwall one or the uh, heart of the southwest one in Devon and Somerset and others in other parts of the country. Stuart, with the government's emphasis on environmental schemes and the importance of that moving forward, 
Do you think that these new schemes, the SFI and countryside stewardship, do you think there'll be more onerous obligations on farmers than they were used to under BPS? Well, thankfully, the opposite is true, Kate, because the, the new contracts under a sustainable farming incentive now actually state there are no penalties for getting it wrong. No longer do we have inspections, but we have visits. So as, as long as as part of that visit, the farmer and the, the visitor, shall I say, can agree an action to remedy something that might have gone wrong in terms of compliance with the scheme, then that's all good. So, yes. And just for anybody that's worried about penalties from schemes they were involved in in the past, like the higher level stewardship schemes that might have been, say, 10 years in the running, uh, and in the past those penalties could have been retrospectively applied all across the 10 years, again, from the 1st of January, that no longer applies, thankfully. That's a subtle change in terminology, isn't it? From inspection to visit. But I think farmers will be pleased to hear at least that there's no penalties moving forward. As long as you agree with what the visitor says, obviously. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've already touched upon this, uh, Stuart, but uh, I mean, these are huge changes and it will drive lots of opportunities for people, but real challenges, obviously, as well. Interested to know what you're seeing your clients think about in terms of diversification opportunities and how these potential changes are really opening up their uh, their business planning to those other options it's more of the same to be honest edward so you see people looking at adding value for their food themselves you people continue with tourism and that side of thing but i have to say we shouldn't say that diversification is the answer for everybody because clearly it's not and for some of the larger units and very efficient units they will carry on producing food in the way that they always have without the diversifications. So it's a real mix of activity that you see. Stuart, you touched on food production there. It seems that the government are de-incentivizing food production and focusing on environmental schemes. Do you think that, that that's the case? Certainly a lot of farmers feel that way. Uh, but actually, when you start to dig into the background of some of the sustainable farming incentive options, and certainly some that may have come forward by now, but will be coming forward. They are trying to encourage a more productive farming. You know, the soil standards, for example, is around more soil testing. Some of the grassland standards will be around uh, more rotational grazing, which will produce more grass. So there's a balance between the two if you look closely behind them. And I think with the change from coming away from local nature recovery and back to countryside stewardship and more emphasis on the sustainable farming incentive, I think that balance perhaps will be there. And also don't forget, the government have signed up within their Agricultural Act to continuing to produce the same amount of food going forward as they do currently from home production. So yes, there's always going to be imports, there's always going to be uh, supermarkets looking for cheap supply. But at the end of the day, we do need that core production in this country. Stuart and Kate, thank you both very much for your time today. Really, very grateful. It was really useful. Yeah, and thank you for inviting me, Edward. And, you know, if any listeners want any free help, we've got a funded program called the Future Farm Resilience Program, free to farmers throughout the Southwest. So just give us a call or look at our website and we'll help you in the same way as we're helping people currently. Thank you, Stuart and Edward. It was really interesting. Yeah, thank you, Stuart. And we'll put details you just referred to in a, in a link at the bottom of the details of this podcast. It is a topic that we've covered before, so please do have a listen to 
earlier podcast episodes in the series as well. Thank you very much. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next Experts in the Field episode from Foot Anstey. Join us next time for more insights on important rural and agricultural issues. Find out more about our podcast series at our website, footanstey.com. <laughs>